Welcome to Global One Media Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Swido. I'm speaking today with Thomas Lamb. He's the chief executive and a board member of Myriad Uranium. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, you've been working in the commodities and exploration space for more than 20 years. You've drilled for gold, copper, cobalt, zinc, to name just a few precious and base metals. But this is the first time that you're focused on uranium. You joined Myriad Uranium one year ago. Tell us, what prompted the move? Well, I've always been a fan of uranium. I've, I think it's, it's, it's been interesting all along throughout my career. But uh, of course, we haven't had a price spike or a lot of attention since about 2008, 2009. So very few people were focused on it, just, just the really smart people who were looking ahead. Um, what happened to me is I, uh, around 2005, I left corporate law. I was a securities lawyer and started a gold uh, mining company with a friend. And we got quite lucky. 2005, we had a nice IPO. Hmm. I moved to Europe uh, and started uh, being really an entrepreneur in mining. Ended up in East Africa um, around 2012 and started a project generator. It produced, uh, created a cobalt exploration company, uh, which was then bought by Gervois Global, which was an offshoot of Glencore, effectively. And I was an executive for them. So it was a six that was the gold deal was was good we got lucky there uh, the cobalt deal which we built uh was sold to a really uh, nice cobalt company called Gervois. i was an executive there as i mentioned so this is this is a build up to doing uh the next interesting thing and there i was in east africa uh, a year or two ago uh looking around for what what the next interesting thing might be my friend uh for many years, Pete Smith was the CEO of, of this company, Myriad Uranium. He's a Canadian, a lawyer like me, very smart, successful guy. He put this deal together, uh, Myriad Uranium, uh, with a friend from Cambridge University. He went to Cambridge through a Cambridge contact. He got these assets, these really exciting uranium assets, and put them into uh, Myriad. And then he had to run the company. However, it's Africa. He's from Canada. Uh, they speak French in Niger, as you know. Um, I speak French. He doesn't, et cetera. I have a lot of African experience. He brought me in as a consultant. And, and over time, it became it made sense for me to become CEO. And that is the, that is the journey of me becoming a CEO, getting involved. I liked uranium. Very interesting. I know Africa. I speak French. I built some companies and had exits. Uh, so uh, that's the story. Here I am as CEO. It's been about one year. That's fantastic. And it's certainly a good environment to be in uranium right now, one that's very conducive to uranium exploration. Uh, demand is on the rise as countries are working to lower their carbon footprints. The price of uranium has jumped more than 50% since the beginning of the year. Uh, that continues a trend that started actually about three years ago when uranium sold for less than half as much as it does today. So I want to look at Euro's major projects. I understand that Mirrored Uranium has two major projects, one at Copper Mountain in Wyoming, and another, as you mentioned, in the Sahara Desert in the north of Niger. Uh, we'll take a look at Wyoming first. And despite the name of the location, Copper Mountain, I understand you're actually searching for uranium there. So tell us, what's the latest and what are the prospects like at that, cap, uh, at that Copper Mountain site? So that's right. It is called Copper Mountain, uh, which, uh, uh, it, you know, it's a bit funny because it is a really it has a really big uh, uranium endowment it's an area right in the center of wyoming um wyoming is is the main state in the united states for uranium exploration and production lots of situ 
projects there, et cetera. So Copper Mountain uh, has multiple historic uh, producing mines. So in the 1950s and 60s, it produced a lot of uranium. One in particular, the Arrowhead mine produced 500,000 pounds of uranium, which back then was a significant uh, producer. Mm -hmm. uh, again, that's in the 50s and 60s. That's right in the center of our claims. So we have just under 2,000 acres. Uh, sorry, yeah, it, it, uh, hectares. Is it 2,000 hectares? Your system in the United States. So we have uh, a lot of land is what it is. Exactly. We have a really nice big um, footprint, Copper Mountain. It's a historic producer of 500,000 pounds of uranium. And it has, now we know, six or more uranium deposits on it in a in a in that discrete area we our, our licenses host all of those deposits um it's uh it's a it's a very exciting uh uranium exploration project at the moment but it's quite advanced and so the next uh bit about this that's that's fascinating is when we in the summer sign the letter of intent to acquire up to 75 percent of the wyoming uh project copper mountain project Neither we nor our deal partner, Rush Rare Metals, which I encourage your viewers to take a look at, excellent company, really understood the project that well. It was um, uh, the 43101 that our deal partners have on the project. Uh, the authors in March of earlier this year stated, this is a really interesting project. It has historic production. It saw a lot of exploration, but you need to go find the historic data and to learn about it so that we can understand what it has and what you need to do otherwise we're gonna to have to start a maiden drill program on this project so it's really interesting we cut this deal and the other side cut this deal without really understanding the project all that well uh, so it turned into a really big opportunity kind of a what's this going to be like well very soon after we signed the letter of intent uh well right around that time the ceo of rush which actually happens to be pete smith the previous ceo of myriad we can get into that another time. Um, that's why we were able to cut the deal is because the companies were close. He was driving down, Pete was driving down a dirt road in Wyoming and came across a rancher. He was visiting the project and the rancher stopped and they had a chat and rancher said, hey, would you like to come and come for a cup of coffee? I have a bunch of historic data that I've been storing for years and years and years. Would you like to come take a look at it? So Pete said, sure. They went and had a cup of coffee. Pete went through these seven big rubber bins full of data. And lo and behold, a lot of the historic data that we've been seeking. Here's what the, and we drove it back to uh, Vancouver, Canada from uh, uh, from Wyoming. And uh, and we went through it. And here's what yeah, it's- That's an awesome story. So he was just driving, he met a rancher, basically by coincidence, and it had the data that you needed. Exactly. Well, a lot of it, that's right. And I, I suppose um, here's what it's here's what it said. Historically, Union Pacific, big railway company, held this land through a subsidiary, Rocky Mountain Energy. They drilled 2,000 drill holes into our project. They spent 74 million US ex exploring and advancing our project. They built a mine plan. They, were, they, they designed a mine plan for our project area, and that included uh, a pit and a whole mine plan and a leach pad. And they built the leach pad. They were just about to start mining. This is 1979. So we're going through all the data and just, we discovered this. We discovered that the ore is highly leachable with recoveries. You don't need a mill, highly leachable recoveries well into the 90s, 
above 92 and a lot of tests above 96% recovery. We got a maps and plans of where the high grade uh, uranium is. Um, we which high grade areas should be followed up. We learned all sorts of amazing things, uh, which have you know have launched us into what should be a completely different category of company. Um, so it, it's gone from a small micro cap company that um, uh, you know explorer with interesting projects to a company with this a Copper Mountain, Wyoming historic producer, uh, and then the punchline at the end of all this is that within these documents are historic resource estimates of the amount of uranium at Copper Mountain. So the, what does that the, mean for you all going forward now? You have the data, you know some uranium is there. What happens next? Well, the, these these resource estimates say there's between 15 and 30 million of uh, pounds of uranium in the ground, depending on the combination of deposits. And there is potential with more work um, uh, uranium of up to 63.8 million pounds of uranium, just taking into account two out of the five or six uh, deposits on our license. So what we need to do is we need to take our existing data and uh, more data, which we're in the process of acquiring, and bring these resource estimates current under the Canadian strict Canadian uh, 43101 rules. We have historic resource right now. We need to bring that up to current resource. So that is the plan, among other things, acquiring more land, et cetera. So just real quick for listeners who may not know, what exactly is 43101? Uh, so Canada has strict, strict and conservative rules regarding uh, what you can say about mineral projects. Um, so if you are governed by Canadian rules, it's a little bit unlike the U.S. where you get to sort of be a little more freewheeling. Uh, you have to be very conservative and you have to have independent experts verify and sign off on what you say about your resource projects. That's if you're Canadian regulated. And so to be able to tell people that we in fact have 60 million or 20 million pounds of uranium currently, we have to do enough work to satisfy geologists so that they will sign off. That's under the Canadian regulations. Okay, great. So it means you have to have the data to back up what you're saying. Exactly. So on that note, let's turn now to your other major project, which is in the West African nation of Niger, up in the north near Agadez. Uh, uranium is one of Niger's most important exports. Give us an overview of your company's licenses there. So we have four licenses, uh, over 1,800 square kilometers uh, in aggregate. These four licenses are they're very exciting exploration licenses, previously owned by Arriva, which is now Arano. That's the French government. They are located right adjacent to Africa's two most important uranium deposits on the same structures. Number one, Imereren, which is on the Arlet Fault. That's Africa's largest uranium deposit, the world's second largest. It's 380 million plus pounds of uranium. We're on the same structure and adjacent. We're also down the structure and very close to Global Atomics DASA project. This is one of the largest projects in the world also, but it's super high grade bit closer to Athabasca, like in, in Canada. So the two, two of the most important uh, uranium deposits in the world, and we're right up against them on the same structures. We have, you know, top-notch world-class exploration projects. We're also squeezed in between uh, Goviex, which Robert Friedland's uh, uh, sons uh, is the chairman of that company. Goviex is a very nice uranium uh, deposit called the Matawella deposit. We're kind of jammed in between Matawella and, uh, and Oranos Imereren. So, so we're in Niger. Niger is an amazing up and coming uranium uh, 
uh, country, as you know, with political recent political problems. But uh, those are got sorted. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. So, Tom, tell us, I mean, where exactly is your company in terms of these projects in Niger right now? How, how far advanced are they? We picked them up uh, about just over a year ago. We've done some geophysics and some groundwork. Uh, we were active this uh, summer, if you're Northern Hemisphere person, active in the summer. And then, of course, there was a military coup in July in Niger. So we had to pause our work while that gets sorted out. Not an uncommon occurrence in Niger. And so everybody's just paused their work. Um, so we're still in the early stages, preliminaries. However, Arano, in fact, its predecessor, Arriva, drilled a lot of holes, 150, 160 holes on our project. We have that data. They did a lot of geophysics to help us find uranium. We have that data. They found uranium on our project areas. We have that data. So we have a big head start for when we get back to exploring in Niger. That's fantastic. Uh, as you mentioned, back in July, the head of Niger's presidential guard overthrew the democratically elected government there. Just last month, the U.S. State Department officially declared this, that this was a coup d'etat, which means that half a billion U.S. dollars worth of assistance programs have been suspended. Military cooperation has been significantly cut back. Uh, you mentioned that you had to put your projects there on pause as a result. Is that right? That's right. Now, you, you and your viewers may know that two weeks ago, approximately, uh, the U.S. government made an exception, which surprised everybody, but we're so happy about Global Atomic as the world's top project that's in development right now, really, in Niger. And I think to secure the supply of that uranium for the West, keep it away from, for example, the Chinese and the Russians, the US government has allowed, as an exception, has allowed that project to be financed by US development banks. So while the United States has declared this a coup, which triggers all sorts of of issues for the country, development aid and banking, et cetera. Um, on the plus side, they see that uranium is very strategic. And so uh, this has been a big boost, a big uh, boost to Niger and the uranium sector in Niger, which is which is uh, a little bit of uh, positivity versus the uh, announcement of the coup. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad to hear there is some positivity. Niger is a wonderful country. Uh, as I was telling you before, I used to live there. It's uh, culturally it's so rich. And That's right. I hope that this uranium and the work you all do there help spread the economic wealth as well, yeah. if you will. Absolutely essential. That's right. Spread it. So yeah. when, when, you, when you come to exploration, there are a number of risks. Uh, political instability is sometimes near the top of the list, but it's hardly the only factor. Uh, tell us what other risks are on your radar right now and how is your company addressing them? Okay, well, you know, back to, uh, and I should have emphasized this right at the beginning, we have historic resource in Wyoming, 15 to 30 million pounds of identified historic resource, and then 63.8 million pounds of potential, just taking into account two of the five or six deposits on our licenses. So that's already a lot of uranium. What are the risks here? Exploration risk. risk. Well, what if we do work to do work to confirm those historic resources, but they don't come through? Now, the, the geologists that did that work spent 74 million US on it, then today's dollars, they were the top of the field, mm -hmm. uranium geologists in the 1970s. Uh, but there's always the risk that, uh, you know, we, everybody gets let down, it doesn't, uh, it's not as good as they thought it was. So that's a risk. Um, uh, there are political risks, for example, the world turns against uh, uh, uranium. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the world is emphatically, and with enthusiasm embracing uh, uranium right now. And nuclear energy. 
there, there's always exploration risk in every location. You can uh, have problems locally. Um, you miss. Um, you know, things are more expensive than you think. These are all uh, these are all issues. But in Wyoming, Wyoming is the heartland of uranium in the United States. So we're going to have lots of local support, great drillers, fantastic geologists. So we're, you know, having highly skilled people uh, and a government and government support really mitigates the main risks. So that's Wyoming. Uh, we'll do what do what we can keep costs down. Uh, Niger. So these are such huge uh land packages uh, that we have there 1800 square kilometers so there's a vast vastness to it the nature of these deposits you you can go a little ways and then you you think you're going to have a lot of uranium all of a sudden you don't so that's part of the fun and the and the heartache and pain but also the ecstasy the the absolutely amazing excitement of finding uranium so it's it's in niger because of the nature of the deposit so that's exploration risk. You know, we have to do geophysics to mitigate that, help us identify the structures. Um, the risks there are that you that you miss, you spend money and you miss. And then on top of that, political risk, um, because uh, you know, it and, and other countries in the region are politically less stable. So you do your All best. Right, well, thank you for yeah, thank you for walking us through those. I mean, I think it's important that people understand. Anytime you make an investment, there's a risk or trade-off, and we don't always talk about those risks, but once you understand them, then you can assess it and say, okay, is this a good venture or not? And on that topic, uh, I want to talk about investing in, in your company. Uh, if we look at how the share price has been doing, Mirrored Uranium, it's down about 20% since the beginning of the year, but it has been on a rally these past few months, up more than 30%. So this is the, uh, the elevator pitch question. Tell us, why is Mirrored Uranium a stock to watch? Well, we we have a huge amount of we're like coiled steel uh we can create a huge amount of torque for uh for people for investors unlike a lot of companies it's uh, unlike you know the very few companies in position like ours five million dollar canadian market cap uh with the potential to very quickly have a resource that has brought current uh that is worth you know billions of dollars potentially so you just don't get that with many companies and that is why we're stock to watch if we can bring our historic resource in wyoming current you know that takes us up it should take us up based on comps many times our market cap that is that is very exciting hopefully we were able to do that second thing in niger we are up against the biggest and best uranium deposits in africa and and the second largest in the world the french were about to explore our areas they got cut off by Fukushima and had to relinquish these licenses. They were just about to continue their work into our licenses in Niger. Hmm. Maybe we have the same type of deposit that just a few kilometers south of us, Imeraren. That's 380 million pounds of uranium, second largest in the world. The French were trying to do find the same type of deposit in our license. If we find that, we go from classic five billion market cap to multi-billion dollar market cap. That is the that is why this is exciting. Uh, that is why we have a, a, a really loyal investor following, and we're a sleeper. We people don't know about us. We don't do a lot of marketing. We 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 have a low profile. We have uh, devoted fans, the people who, who do know about us. So we're I think we're an interesting company from that point of view. It's a the risk reward on us is very very good. 
Well, I have a feeling after this interview, you're going to have a few more devoted fans. Um, Tom, it's really been interesting speaking with you to hear about the historic data in Wyoming, to hear, excuse me, to hear about the size of your tracks in Niger. I mean, that's just huge and seems to have a lot of potential. Uh, really, uh, thank you for taking time to speak with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've been talking with Miri Geranium CEO and board member Thomas Lamb, and you've been watching Global One Media's Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Swato.